0: Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies.
1: Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, your host, the co-CEO of Established. And on this episode, I'm talking to Polly Rodriguez. She's the founder and CEO of Unbound, a sexual wellness company for women. They make and sell vibrators, lubricants, and accessories online, along with their digital magazine as well. They also have an amazing uh, Instagram. If you're on Instagram, you want to check that out. Polly and Unbound competed in our 2017 Startup of the Year program and finished in the top five that year. She did a fantastic job. And at the time, the category that she was in and continues to be one that's, that some investors may not look at. So she's got an amazing story. She's going to share some of it here in a moment. So I'm excited to have Polly joining us today. Before we get started, though, I wanted to share some insights from our team, the established team that produces the Startup Year program. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of experience, I'd say decades and decades of, of experience with both startups and in the corporate world. So for those of you listening, I hope you find these tips helpful. First off, we're going to have our Director of Partnerships, Jackie Dietrich, share an update about our partner programs. Jackie?
2: Hey, startup community. I wanted to share some updates with you from our community partners today, and you can find all the links and more information in the show notes. For our service-based startups out there, our friends at Founders First Capital Partners provide revenue-based growth capital without equity or asset collateralization, They have upcoming accelerator opportunities. You can learn about that and more information about their products at their website. From the folks at Backstage Capital, for those who identify as a woman, person of color, or LGBTQ, they host office hours for you. If you're interested in participating, visit their website. You can sign up to get next steps in the coming weeks when those start up again. For early stage social entrepreneurs, The application to join Halcyon Incubator's 14th cohort in the spring of 2021 is now open. This includes five months of free rent in D.C., a stipend, and access to their amazing community of social entrepreneurs, mentors, investors, and so on. And speaking of great networks, there's been some great stuff coming out of the American InnoCities Cities. And if you are not signed up to keep up with innovation and entrepreneurs in your city, be sure to visit the website, uh, check to see if your city is listed there and then subscribe to get those local updates. And finally, if you're a leader in the startup ecosystem, the team at Startup Space launched a podcast recently There's a new episode every Monday to inspire you with the real work that's being done by practitioners across the country who are breaking barriers for entrepreneurs. So be sure to check that out. So that's some great stuff for this week. Hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Great stuff, Jackie. Next up, we've got our co-CEO, Jen Consavo, sharing some advice for startups as they try to find their path.
2: Hey, everyone.
0: So today I want to share something with you about uh, again, as you get started when you're trying to get a company up and running, um, oftentimes, and I would actually say most of the time, uh, as as a founder, you're running uh, you're running every department, and you are the department. <laughs> you're doing a lot of different things, and you're wearing a lot of hats. Um, and then at times, you know, things will feel like they're not moving ahead, or things are going wrong, or uh, you start to get concerned, or you get frustrated. Um, and there, there are two things I want to share that have really served me well uh, during those times. And this is not just uh, at the in the earliest of days. This is, you know, even years into a new venture. Um, and, and these two things are important to do together. One is dive into your numbers and your details. So when things are frustrating, it may seem like the last thing you want to do is really dive into things and you'll you know you may want to step away you may want to go you know have a drink forget about what's going on but i can tell you that the the biggest comfort i've ever gotten uh when things were not going well was really diving in and letting the details and the the path um show itself to me through numbers through Um, you know, writing out all the details of what's going on, where I'm going, what we want to do, what I think we need to do, and just being in it. Being in it and then allowing yourself to sort of just sit and, and sort of marinate in it for a while. Don't do anything drastic with the information. Just understand it, go to bed, sleep on it, Um, but for me, that tends to be a very, has always been a very clarifying action and very comforting, but the second is equally important. Uh, and if you can do them together, uh, more powerful and that's, as you do that exercise, write down the things that are going well, write down the things that are, are positives for you and celebrate that in some way, whether it's just, you know, a pat on the back, (laughs) Um, or, you know, allowing yourself a, a little treat, something to celebrate that moment, um, because or those things or those achievements, those two things together can be a very powerful tool to number one get you through tough times, but number two open up new possibilities that you might not have thought of before, and uh, you know that might sound a little woo woo, but it it really does work. It it shifts your mindset from uh, from wherever you might be, um, you know thinking that things are not going right, thinking that everything's wrong, whatever it might be. it shifts you into a positive mindset of possibility. And once you get there, new opportunities arise. and um and on one of our next episodes, i'll I'll share some concrete examples of that, but I want to share that because I think some people really hit those points and just don't know what to do. So uh, just a little advice. Hope things are going well. And back to you, Frank.
1: Thanks so much, team. Those are some great insights and some great information. I uh, Hopefully those, the listeners that are fi- following uh, will find it helpful and will find their way. One more thing I wanted to, to, to share I'm super, super psyched about is our 2020 8th Annual Startup of the Year Summit, which is coming up on November 16th through 18th. Uh, you need to go RSVP right now. It's a free event. Just go to Summit dot startup of year.com. You can find out more information. There's a snazzy little sizzle reel from last year, and you can find out about the speakers and and judges and and mentors that'll be be coming out to be a part of this online event. The summit's going to curate uh, an experience of, for founders, you know, seasoned entrepreneurs, corporate innovators. Um, you know, there'll be a lot of investors there. There's an opportunity to build relationships and fuel your success. Um, there's going to be our 2020 startup of year competition finals coming out. So we'll have you know, the top 100 startups competing for the Startup of the Year, which will basically be the opportunity at Glory for being called Startup of the Year, but also $20,000 in potential investment from Startup of the Year's uh, fund, which is um, the Established Ventures team. So uh, super excited about that. And uh, looking forward to seeing all these great companies. We've already been vetting through the companies over the last several weeks and um, we're excited to be getting those companies uh, locked in to be, be a part of this this competition. And I have to say the uh, the bar has just been raised. People are, are focused and building amazing companies out there and it's given me a lot of... Uh, Give me a lot of energy because I'm excited that uh, there's so many smart people out there trying to change the world. So uh, we'll also have some speakers at this event. Uh, we'll have um, Tim Draper, who's from Draper VC as well as Draper University. He'll be doing a fireside chat. We've got um, Kara Golden from Hint Water. Uh, she'll be she'll be talking about her new book, Undaunted, and kind of her journey with creating a, uh, a company that's you know building a product, but also she's a female founder, too, and, and a female CEO, so a lot of great, great tips and tricks there that will be coming out, as well as um, Mike Evans. He's the uh, co-founder of Grubhub and the founder of Fixer, and he's got a new book coming out soon. Excited to be talking to him as well, and there's just a bunch of others. We just added Jewel Burke Solomon as a speaker. She's um, she's runs the Google for Startups program as well as Collab Capital, uh, which is a fund uh, that's that's out there, and she's based out of Atlanta. So super excited to have her and catch up with her soon. Um, So a lot of great people coming. Um, We're going to have some amazing judges um, judging these companies from some of the top VC firms and investor um, networks in the country. Um, so you are going to want to be a part a part of that as well to see see who's there and get the feedback with these great companies as they pitch. And um, one exciting new thing this year that that I am super psyched about is the um, Start of the Year Veteran Start of the Year Program, which is a new category in in partnership with US. And basically, what we're doing is we're doing we're we're going to be giving a, a ten thousand dollars non dilutive cash prize. To the startup that is the us Veteran Startup of the Year, so pretty cool. It's open up to U.S. veterans or their spouse or dependents, and so we had some amazing um, applications come in from from companies that fit that criteria, and uh, we'll be announcing those soon. But um, great to have us as a partner, as you know, they're offering this opportunity for a company to to shine and get some some cash to keep that get that dream going or keep that dream going, and uh, and then also just to the greater community, anybody listening. If you've got an idea or you want to get something started, they are also helping us create this opportunity to give you a free domain on us. Literally, you can go to um, the the in the show notes will be a, a a link. But basically, they're giving away a free us domain. And uh, if you go check that out, you can go get one today and get that get that new idea started, or maybe use it as a shorter domain like we have established.us as our as our domain, and then we also have EST.us as a shortened domain for our email. So lots of great opportunities to get involved, a lot of great opportunities from some of our partners. If you're listening and you want to be a partner of the Startup the Year program, please do reach out. You can just reach out at sponsor at EST.us and connect with us directly. So lots of cool stuff. I'm super psyched. This is that exciting time of the year where there's just so much energy. And as we lead up to our culmination with the Startup the Year Summit, um, I'm getting psyched. We're working really hard as a team and I'm really proud of all the work that we're doing. So enough of me talking. Let's listen in and actually let's talk to, to to Polly a little bit about what she's up to. Polly, welcome. Where are you, where are you joining us from today?
3: Uh, I'm joining from Brooklyn actually in New York. Oh,
1: nice, nice, nice. Um, I wasn't sure with COVID and everything if people, you know, people have been kind of migrating around to different locations and working from everywhere. So I wasn't quite sure if you're back yet or if you did do any kind of migration.
3: Yeah, I, pretty, I mean, I pretty much stayed in New York most of the time. I went home to see my parents for a little bit. Um, and got to live in their basement, which was, you know, every 33-year-old's dream. Um, but it, it was nice to spend some time with them. But I right. pretty yeah. much have been in New York throughout all of it.
1: Oh, wow. That's that's pretty impressive. Now, if I remember correctly, you're from the Midwest, like St. Louis area. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Originally from St. Louis.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So it's probably good to get, 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 get to see some trees and maybe a little bit of, you know, a little more greenery probably than Brooklyn. So good to be yeah. back there.
2: All
1: right. right. So diving in, can you share a little bit more about what Unbound is that the listeners that are listening may not know everything you're up to? So just give us kind of a brief overview of Unbound.
3: Yeah. Um, So Unbound is a sexual wellness company. We design and manufacture 50 different products spanning vibrators, lubricants, and accessories. Um, It's a category that for a long time has operated in the shadows. And uh, the majority of the products made historically contain carcinogens in them and often are really overpriced or poorly made. And so for us, our focus is on really trying to bring the category mainstream through elevated design, body safe uh, materials, and just really affordable pricing. Um, and we do that by selling direct to consumer. So started working on the company in 2014 and uh, coming up on my six year anniversary. And it's it's been a wonderful, crazy journey.
1: Wow, six years, <laughs> that's, that's impressive. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. And so how did the, how did the idea get started? Where did the idea come from?
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, I think like most founders had a a personal experience, which made me realize how, how bad of a a category this is to shop in, especially for women, feminine, non-binary people. Uh, when I was 21 years old, I went through a stage three colon cancer diagnosis and I had to undergo radiation treatment and radiation beamed through my reproductive organs. And I went through menopause and my doctors didn't really talk to me about it. And so I found myself on the internet trying to figure out what to do and ended up at a Hustler Hollywood next to the airport in St. Louis, Missouri. And it was just a really mortifying shopping experience that always stuck with me. Um, And I went on to work for Senator Claire McCaskill on the Affordable Care Act after after losing health insurance from cancer, Um, and then in management consulting at Deloitte for three years, and then at a dating startup uh, called Grouper. And while I was at Grouper, I started to really uh, meet a lot of women in tech in New York City. And I met my co-founder, Sarah Jane, who had been working nights and weekends on this subscription box company called Unbound Box. Um, and it was something that I was really passionate. And so we teamed up and started working on it together um, and really just bootstrapped for the first two and a half years of working nights and weekends while also working you know, two to three other part-time jobs. But I think for both of us growing up in the Midwest, it, sexual wellness was something that wasn't really discussed, whether it was in school or with our doctors. Um, it, it was just something that felt always really... Uh, taboo and difficult to talk about. And so our whole goal was to try to create an environment, an online destination where it didn't feel as scary to explore your sexual wellness and um, shop for products and and read content.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. And gosh, I'm thinking about, you know, I lived in Vegas for a while and obviously I know there's a big hustler kind of thing over there. Just getting that, like you guys are night and day as far as like the experience. So can you share about like, experience and what you're trying to what you're trying to do to attract new customers uh with that user experience compared to like the the hustlers or the i can't think of any other brands right now because you mentioned that one but others that sell those types of products that obviously aren't catered to your audience
3: yeah i mean i i think about like my shopping experience of going into one of those stores and i think for one you know, there's so many aspects to it. If you're shopping for the first time, it's really intimidating. Um, If you go on Amazon, there's 60,000 SKUs in the category and trying to figure out just what the products are, what, what is body safe? What, what would work for me can be a really overwhelming experience. And a lot of the times it's embarrassing to go up and talk to a stranger or a random sales associate about such a personal need and, and, you know, intimate product, and so for us, it was really about not only creating a website that was welcoming and friendly, but it made people feel good about the shopping experience, Um, kind of flipping it on its head where instead of, you know, trying to sneak in and out of the store as quickly as possible, you really felt proud about shopping in the category and and trying to make it something that we're no longer ashamed of, and I think in addition to the online shopping experience, uh, which... I just personally believe is is more comfortable from the privacy of your home, um, it's about the product design. And historically, I mean, the vibrator was invented in the late 1800s. It's been around for forever. Um, but the industry itself has always been dominated by older white guys who, you know, to no surprise, uh, a lot of the products were designed to look like penises and they're really phallic. And I think for a lot of women, Uh, both from a biological perspective, in terms of, you know, stimulation and and the biology behind how that works, and just aesthetics, there was no reason why everything needed to look like a pink phallic jelly dildo. So it was about how do you create an elevated design experience where someone could leave this out on their nightstand or have it somewhere, and they wouldn't feel mortified if somebody were to walk in and see it. Um, So yeah, those are just, I think, some of the ways that we're trying to engage and, and and really build community around um, just women, feminine, non-binary people feeling like they don't have to be ashamed over their bodies and they don't have to apologize to anyone uh, for wanting to explore this part of their life.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Now, do you sell products that men might use as well?
3: Yeah, we do c- carry um, products for men. Actually 30% of, all, of anyone that comes to our site identifies as a man. Um, so yes, we have we have products for men as well and are hoping to build that out in addition to the products that we have today, which largely caters to women. I think it's interesting that um, for, for just in, in terms of sexuality, masturbation is far more stigmatized for women than it is for men, but I think using products is actually more stigmatized for men than it is for women. And so um, I think that that is something that we're really excited to tackle in the next year or so
1: seems like another huge opportunity for sure okay mm-hmm. um so you talked about um bootstrapping let's talk about well actually first off let's talk about this business model assume it's just you know direct consumer. so you're selling products they're paying you you're taking a cut you're making products you're taking a cut and mm-hmm. all that is that is that pretty pretty much what it is or anything else there yeah
3: well the industry itself it's a really fascinating industry because there are all these crazy barriers due to the stigma associated with it and so Historically, similar to a lot of CPG uh, products, you have distributors who are some of the largest players. So they're taking product from like the massive manufacturers that have existed um, and then distributing to all these small mom and pop shops. The top four retailers in the United States combined in this category make up less than 10% market share. And so you have a really fragmented marketplace where um, distributors are taking often 60% of the margin, which is why you see vibrators that just cost so much money when they really shouldn't. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're about 90% of our sales are direct to consumer, but we actually have seen one of the more interesting trends is wholesale has really been picking up. And in particular, what excites me is that the products are now being placed um, on on beauty websites, and um, I think that that's really exciting because when we first started the company, I would try to you know talk to some of the bigger retailers and wholesalers out there, and they would want to you know put us in the lingerie section. And beauty is such a better uh, vertical to be placed in, and so it's been it's been exciting to see the wholesale opportunities grow as well.
1: That's really interesting. Times are changing, and you guys yeah. are lead, lead, leading that uh, leading that. Uh, that whole storm as he, as you will so can you share maybe do you know like or can you pinpoint maybe some of the things that have helped make that possible like because it's obviously you know you're seeing more of a feminist movement out there you're seeing a lot more um change in the marketplace as far as people's values but i'm curious if there's anything you can pinpoint because you're in this 24 7 um that yeah. kind of it easier
3: that's a really good question it's kind of been you know, it, there isn't like a singular thing that we can point to, but I think it is like a perfect storm of events where you know you have pop culture, which has changed the narrative, everything from sex in the city to um, fifty shades of gray uh, and and these different kind of popular culture influences that have taken the category mainstream. I think there's also the political environment that you alluded to, which is, women's bodies are still being, you know, scrutinized and politicized and regulated and especially under the Donald Trump administration there's been this resurgence of women kind of taking ownership over their bodies and and you know just kind of pushing back on the continued policing of 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 their own body. And then I think the other thing is just historically Again, there were mostly men and family owned and operated businesses. And now we're starting to see female founders and non binary founders starting businesses in this category where historically, because of the taboo and the reputation risk of, of being in a starting a business affiliated with sex, women didn't start businesses in the category. Um, women couldn't even have credit cards until 1975. And so it's no surprise yep. that. There weren't a lot of female-founded businesses. I mean, thank I, you.
1: I, thanks to Ruth you know, Bader Ginsburg, Ginsburg yeah. basically. I mean, so and obviously today is a very special day. And for that, she's being laid, laid in, or she's actually laying in capital, right, for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. obviously that one strikes close to home for a lot of people. And obviously I really appreciate everything she's able to do for the U.S. with freedom and equity or equality. Um, I think a lot of people don't know that, right? Like <laughs> that what you just said is like you said it trivially a little bit. It, it, it's, people don't realize that was a thing like not that long ago.
3: Yeah, like it's crazy to think that my mom, who's now 16 years old, like couldn't have her own credit card when when she was around my age. And um,
1: blows my I mind. Think,
3: yeah, and so I think I think we're definitely making strides. I, I think it's exciting to see, you know, wellness as this new emerging vertical that is especially during COVID getting a lot of attention because people are really stressed out and um, looking for ways to to feel healthy and and to go easy on their bodies. And so uh, I think all of those trends have fed into this category finally emerging as mainstream because when we look at the category for men, there's so many brand names that exist in the sexual wellness space, whether it's Viagra or Trojan or Playboy or Hymns or Roman. Um, and so it's exciting to Start to see these startups emerge that are that are catering to the other fifty percent of the population.
1: Definitely, and obviously, you want to mention rest in peace, RBG. We appreciate yeah. what you did. So, um, yeah. didn't mention that a moment ago, but I want to say that. All right, so let's let's switch gears here and talk about. Um, you mentioned you know six years, going on six years here. Some of it was was. Um, you know, right. Getting going, I'm assuming you're bootstrapping and getting it going. Can you share a little bit about that journey and what that was like, especially in this category that some, you know, folks may not be comfortable with investing in?
3: Yeah. I mean, it was horrible. (laughs) It it just, I think I worked at a startup that had gotten, that had gone through Y Combinator and, you know, it, Getting funding seemingly from the outside looking in was so easy, and I thought, you know, this is such a huge market opportunity. There's nobody in the brand space. Like, how could we not get venture funding? And it just it took two and a half years, and just I pitched over 300 times before I got my first yes from an investor, and the rejection was just endless. I mean, we couldn't get into accelerators, we couldn't, you know, get into angel pitching competitions, and so we just focused in the beginning really because I, I went out to try to raise a pre-seed and just got like universal no's across the board. And so I realized that we were gonna have to build a lot of traction to really prove to people that this is a viable market opportunity and not just like a taboo vice company. Um, and so it took building the company to where we were doing, I think, close to like $75,000 a month in sales before we were able to really get VCs to take us seriously. Um, which was tough. And then, you know, pitching something that is as personal and requires as much vulnerability as a sexual wellness company does was not easy. I mean, I got laughed out of rooms. I got asked wildly inappropriate questions. Um, but I think ultimately it made me a tougher founder uh, because I got good at, at handling those situations and trying to mitigate and then ultimately raising venture capital. But yeah, bootstrapping was so hard. I had like, five credit cards out and was working, you know, two part-time jobs in addition to Unbound. And it was, I think there was one year where like my income on my, on my tax return was like $25,000 and I was living in New York City. just, wow. it, it was, it was rough, but you know, if you have a vision and a dream, you just kind of have to like fully commit to doing whatever it takes to get it off the ground. But it certainly felt lonely and hard for those first two and a half years. Wow
1: talk about your resilience. That's, uh, it's obviously a, a note to your character and your co-founder's character uh, to be able to get through that. That's really hard. I think a lot of people would have quit. So um, props to you and, and keeping going. And we met, we met in 2017. So yeah. um, you, you participated in uh, the startup of the year program, which at that point was still um, had partnered with part of tech.co. Uh, but so tell me a little bit about that. How did we, we connect with you? You did, you know, obviously you pitched amazing. You, you ended up being one of the top 5 companies that you're out of 1000 plus companies bubbled mm-hmm. to the top and then ended up pitching a group of investors and and um did did a really great job um curious you know since then like can you talk us through kind of leading up to that and then doing that and then kind of after and how that's all kind of played out
3: yeah i mean i think because so the other just important thing to note about this category is we're not allowed to advertise on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Pinterest or Snapchat or any of these things. And so for us, you know, in especially around 2017, when we were fundraising, I was just trying to get in front of as many people as I could, you know, and the start of the year competition was a really great platform, not only to get in front of investors, but to just get noticed in press and to get our name out there. And um, at the time when we pitched that, we were also trying to pivot from, selling other people's products, which we did for the first two and a half years, um, where we were just basically an e-commerce shop um, to ver- to vertically integrating and making our own products, which requires a lot of just money and uh, insight. And so that competition really was at a pinnacle moment where we were trying to make this huge switch where we were going from selling over 2,000 different products on our e-commerce site to, selling about 15 that we made ourselves. And um it was hard to make that switch, but we ended up doing it. And um since then we just really been focused on designing and developing next generation products.
1: Wow. And thank you for the for the startup of your love there. Appreciate it. We Yeah, it was a really
3: it. great experience. I think there are a lot of startup competitions where people are kind of really like cold to us because we are a little bit out there in terms of like what we do. And everyone at the start of the year competition was just really, it was a wonderful experience. Super supportive, great people. Uh, and it was also really fun. I, I just had a really good time.
1: Well, that's, that's great to hear. So tell me now, how did, you know, after that, you've, tell me about your fundraising situation now. So you've raised a little bit of money or what, ha- what happened, I guess, with the fundraising? Because I knew you said you took 300 no's to get to a yes. Where's that at? And what are you thinking with that? And h- how are you doing from a Profitability perspective for all that you want to share.
3: Yeah, I'm happy to share more on that. So ended up raising all in about 3.5 million in our seed round, which took place in 2017. And to be honest, um there kind of are like the market dynamics that go on, and then there's the company dynamics. From a company perspective, we hit profitability in 2019. And um for us, it's really been about focusing not on dumping so much money into customer acquisition but really taking the margin that we make on each product and investing in new product innovation building out community like really trying to find unique ways to just capture customers because we don't have those traditional channels available to us um have cons- like uh, one of the things i've struggled with is trying to figure out whether or not we should raise a series a i think that more broadly in the market right now, D 2 C kind of used to be this darling category in like 2016 to 2018. And then there was this shift that happened in 2019 to 2000, into 2020 and this year where a lot of companies, I think just spent way too much on customer acquisition relative to what their lifetime value was was of, of, their, of their customers. And I think VCs realized that, you know, direct to consumer has, exits that are usually multiples of, you know, three to five X. And, um, a lot of the companies that they had bet very heavily on had let their unit economics get totally upside down. And so it's a weird market to, to try to raise in right now, if, if you're D to C. And I think for us being able to steer the ship in the direction that we want by having, you know, control over our board of directors and, not having to be so beholden to investors has been a, a crucial part of our success in in being able to do really whatever we want. Um, so I don't know that we'll raise more funding. I, I think like we're you know right now growing it about well this year we're up 150 percent year over year uh, and profitable. And so it's kind of like if we can maintain what we have, uh, that's kind of the path I, I think we we want to follow.
1: Wow, that's fantastic, and that's fantastic to hear about the the growth. I mean, especially in a year that's been, well, I can't even tell you a year that's been like this. I mean, it's been nonstop, um, crazy. I I kind of equate the ma- mascot of this year as like maybe a dumpster fire. So anyway, <laughs> I hope that I hope that everything's been going great. It sounds like everything's been going great with that. But can you tell me, has the business been impacted at all with the stuff that's been happening with pan- the pandemic and and everything else?
3: We, I mean, it's been impacted positively. We've just seen such a surge in demand because one, like people are stuck at home. And so this is an industry that actually is uh, inversely correlated to economic downturn. So during the great recession, this industry did quite well. Um, And similarly, we're seeing that now for a different set of reasons. But uh, the thing that has been challenging is supply chain. One of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of the, a lot of products that are manufactured overseas, such as, as a substantial portion of ours, usually will fly over on commercial flights that people are taking for vacation, for business, for whatever. And with the vast majority of those flights now grounded because no one's traveling, getting products overseas becomes a very difficult and it's expensive endeavor. And so we've had to really totally redo our supply chain and our forecasting to place much larger reorders. Cause in addition to demand going through the roof, we also now products just have to ship by sea because there just aren't enough flights. And the ones that do exist, the pricing is just, it's literally five times what it used to cost. So wow. that's, been, that's been tricky to navigate, but um, we've done a good job of just trying to adapt
1: yeah, no, that sounds like it. So, with that, I'm curious because I'm all, always interested in supply chain, and you know, a lot of different things are, are created overseas. Is there a possibility with that five time increase to build it in the United States and make it? You know, to, if it's going to cost that much more, I mean, I know it's going to cost more to do it in the United States, but would that make sense, or is it just not? Is that not an option? There's not providers for that. Mm-hmm.
3: The thing that's, it's, it's the latter. The thing that's, I mean, there's some, there's some manufacturers in California, but for the most part, the United States doesn't have, like, we do make our lubricants and condoms, which are regulated by the FDA in the United States and in Canada. Um, but there aren't that many facilities that make these products here in the U S. And so, um, you know, we've been looking more to do things locally, but, there, there just aren't that many people that have the, the the capabilities like they do overseas.
1: No, that makes sense. All right. Um well congrats on on the growth and everything and obviously navigating the the the, the little hiccups along the way with the the changes in costs. I mean, that's mm-hmm. probably um a little nerve-wracking too, but it seems like you're you're weathering that storm. All right, so let's talk about um maybe some of the you you talked a little bit about pitching and some of the you know what that looks like are there any other um tips or tricks that you'd give to to startup founders that are that have that idea maybe that just like you you know wanted to maybe not work at a big consulting firm anymore and wanted to take an idea and just run with it
3: yeah oh I have so many um I think where to start I mean for starters one of the mistakes I made was I had saved up five thousand dollars and I remember thinking like and it's so laughable now but i was like yeah this is enough money like i'll have the company like profitable and up and and up and running and revenue generating before i run out of money and obviously that did not happen and so i think in the beginning there's so much iteration that has to happen to find the illustrative product market fit And so I would recommend like really trying to keep your full-time job and push the company as far as possible until you have product market fit, because for so many of us, we don't have a financial safety net. And so it's really hard to, you know, focus on building your business when you're worried about how you're going to pay rent and like pay your bills. And so to the extent that you can iterate on the company and still have a, a solid source of income, I would encourage people to do that for as long as possible. At the same time, when you go to meet with investors, they always say they're not gonna fund you unless you're full time. And so making that leap is really hard and you wanna make sure that you do it at the right time. I think similarly, you really do have to, every category is different, but for us, we really did have to prove significant traction before investors would write checks. And I see a lot of founders that are out pitching like way before they're even generating revenue and my advice would be like really focus on building the business first because fundraising turns into a full-time job and then some. And so while you're fundraising, it's very hard to grow the business as well. And so you have to really be strategic about how and when you're spending your time because VCs will almost always take meetings because that's their job. And you want to make sure that you're not just taking meetings so that they can keep tabs on your company, but that you're going out when you're really ready.
1: That's great advice. I mean, you're right, that whole process of raising funds is like, it can just, it can absorb your all your time. So I think and when you don't have, you know, you're trying to do too many things at one time. That's, that's a problem. So great advice. I'd love to hear who you kind of look up to who are some of the mentors or people that you drive, you know, derive energy or, or, you know, thoughts from inspiration from.
3: Yeah. I think one of the things, like when you first started the company, I was like, I think 28 when I first started working on Bound, And, um, you know, you're at that professional arc where, you know, it's your friends, you've been working for maybe six, seven years and people are starting to make real money. And then all of a sudden, like, you're not, and you're starting from scratch and it feels really, really lonely. Um, you don't really have a lot of people to talk to. It's really difficult every day. And so one of the things that I would highly recommend is trying to network and find friendships with other founders that you can relate to and that you can talk to. For me, um, having other female founders in New York, in LA and San Francisco has been invaluable in terms of just feeling like I have a community of people that I can go to when things are hard. Um, and in terms of mentors, uh, you know, there I wish there were more in, in, in the startup world. It's something that I think consulting for all of its problems and how much I hated it. It actually, there, it offered a lot of mentorship Where as in the startup world, there aren't, there isn't that, that much. I think there are investors out there that I really admire and I'm close with like Katie Shea, who was one of our first angel investors um, and is a former founder herself. Uh, I love Nisha Dua at uh, BBG Ventures. She's just an incredible person and, and really passionate about supporting female founders. Um, and then one of our investors, her name is uh, Barbara Donahue. And, and she's one of the partners at Manzanita Capital. And they've been in in consumer products for forever. They own like Diptyque and Byredo And she's been really helpful in that she understands consumer and the way it works and you know, isn't impatient, like really understands what it means to thoughtfully build a company. And so I think, trying to find mentors that are values aligned is is crucial and important so that when you have to make hard decisions you have someone that you can turn to for advice and insight
1: those are great Um, thank you for sharing some of those and hopefully some of our listeners will find uh, time to check out those folks and maybe they can um, connect with them as well if they're looking for people that are you know that could guide them um but i wanted to share we're almost at the end here i wanted to see if there's an opportunity to share any um, updates or, or new new products or plugs that you want to get out there about what's going on with um, with the company?
3: Yeah, so we just launched a new product called Puff, which is a new vibrator. It's suction technology and it has been the most successful product we've ever launched. We've sold like close to 6,000 in about two months. So that's been incredible. Um, we're actually releasing another product that I, I can't spoil what it is, but it's, it's going to be out October 28th. October 28th. Right of, yeah, right ahead of uh the holidays. So we've been working on that one for 2 years and we're just really excited about it. Um so yeah, I mean, we're just continuing to expand, um continuing to innovate and create new products and hopefully finally take this category mainstream.
1: Yeah, um, no, that's fantastic. And I, you know, I think I could talk to you for hours and I was thinking about even diving into the pro- how do you build products, but I, I, we just are short on time here. So with that, maybe we'll have to do a follow-up at some t- some point here in the future. Can you share for people out there that want to connect with you or find what you're doing or find your company, where, where can they find you? Where can they learn more?
3: Yeah. So we're just unboundbabes.com. Um, highly recommend following our Instagram. It is hilarious. I don't run our Instagram. I wish I was as funny as the person who does, but it's just the handles at unbound babes as well. So, um, yeah.
1: Well, great. Thanks so much, Polly. Really appreciate you joining us. Uh, you're just a wealth of information and I I love your story and want to continue to support everything you're doing. So thanks so much.
3: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Frank.
1: Such an interesting company. You're such an inspiration. I love what you're doing and you're blazing the path for for women in this category, but just not just women, anybody in this category um, to do what you're doing and, and creating it, um, maybe taking a little bit of the, um, the negative connotation with with uh, sexual wellness away from the game. And I think it's really important because um, let's just be honest, we've all come from somewhere here. And and honestly, it shouldn't be that uh, taboo. So really love that what you're doing. And uh, thank you for doing that. And, and congrats on all your success. And we'll continue to support as much as we can along the way here. All right. So Thanks again for listening, and remember to subscribe to our show. Review it if you can. It does help us um, you know, bubble up to find new listeners that could be helped from these great insights and, and opportunities for startups. And uh, please review it. Review us and send us your feedback. We're, we're listening. we love to hear from you and hear how we're doing and uh, try to continue to improve this program for you and offer more. Or insights and advice and, and help. All right, if you have a startup idea and you want to get it started, you may be thinking, oh, next week I'll do it or the week after or next month or next year. No, get it started today. Today is the best day to start up. You can you can get it going, jot some ideas down, get the domains registered. We're giving you free domains. Get it going and you know baby steps one day at a time as you move forward because you're not going to want to wait a year. You're going to want to get it going and get it started today. And then you're always going to have another excuse for why today is not the best day. So start it and uh, get it going. And we'll be here to try to help you along the way. So with that, I'm your host, Frank Gruber. I'm the co-CEO of Established. I hope you're, you're staying well and being safe out there and uh, look forward to seeing you at our summit. It's coming up November 16th through 18th. Till then, keep listening and we'll keep pumping out content. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.